This is an ABC podcast. Hello, welcome to Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Thursday the 11th of March 2021 and Tegan, another anniversary. Yep, on the 11th of March 2020, the World Health Organisation declared the coronavirus outbreak a pandemic. The Australian government had actually declared it a pandemic a little bit before that. And Coronacast had called it a pandemic even earlier than that. Yeah, I mean, we've been running for like a whole week by this stage. Uh, I think it was pretty clear from weeks earlier that it was going to be a massive deal. But one of the things that was really interesting to me was looking back on the sorts of questions that we were getting from our audience a year ago. Would you like to hear some of them, Norman? Yeah, well, before you do, we should just remind people where the world was at. So the World Health Organization, Dr. Tedros Cabrezas, he was saying they were late to the party, you'd have to say, in the early days of the pandemic. So he was worried that the number of cases increased 13-fold in two weeks. So, I mean, the number of cases that were known was it was not millions. It was just starting, really. But Italy was really under major stress. Within hours of him announcing the pandemic in Italy, all shops, food shops, except food shops and pharmacies closed. Really tough lockdown because of the way things were taking off in Italy. So, essentially, the genie was out of the bottle. It had well spread by then and was already brewing often unknown in places like the United States, where they thought they were fine, but most people who were observing knew they weren't at all. We'd had a couple of cases here in Australia at that time, but it, I don't think we'd had community transmission at that stage. No, it was, all, it was mostly just from overseas. So the questions that we were getting from our audience were things like, what's the best way to wash your hands? Should we be using bar soap or liquid soap? Is the virus passing from person to person out in the community? And things like, how many intensive care beds do we have in Australia? And a question about gyms. And I think that was the point where it was getting towards the point where I gave up the gym. I can't remember exactly the date I did that, but it was close. And in those days, there was a lot of talk about surfaces, you know, cleaning surfaces. What could you use to clean surfaces? Detergents, should it all be alcohol? Of course, detergent was the right thing because it killed the virus. Uh, washing hands, uh, a lot of obsession about s- surfaces. And what we know now, after a long period of learning, is that while surfaces are important, they're not nearly as important as airborne spread. So if, we were, if we'd known that then, we would have said, yeah, it's important to do all that and keep things hygienic, but, you know, airborne spread. And the other thing that was really dominant in those days was, you know, it's only a year ago, was this whole business of droplet spread at near distance. So a lot of your questions were about 1.5 metres, 2 metres, is it safe outside and so on. Uh, and this whole idea about droplet spread. And we were pretty down on masks as well at that point, partly because there was a shortage, but also because, and it became a dominant argument for the rest of the year, is that in fact, while droplet spread is indeed part of the story, it is only part of the story. And we now know that airborne spread and micro droplets, which stay in the air for a long period of time, are really a major issue. And that that became very, very clear as the year went by. And a lot of you were onto it because you were saying, oh, what happens if I pass somebody when I'm running and you know I catch that cloud in the air? Really before you had a sense of that before, in fact, 
um, the science caught up with that. Although we now know that outdoors is a pretty safe environment. It's indoors that counts. So we've learned a lot. Um, and uh, in many ways, your questions have been ahead of the game. But what we learned early on is we had to be very careful what we advised because it could have changed behavior in terms of what people did. Because loose lips sink ships. And uh, I wasn't referring to the cruise ships either. I'm not sure how many ships you've sunk over the past year, Norman, but we did have 127 Australian cases by the 11th of March last year. But one of the things that really stood out to me when I looked back over these questions that people were asking was, A, how invested people were in wanting to do the right thing and protect themselves and those around them, and B, just how much more health literate people are a year on now after really quite literally living and breathing a pandemic time over this past year. Like, Hand washing and and soaps and hand sanitizers, it's something we're all kind of fluent in now. Yeah, and I think any Coronacast listener could answer all those questions because they've come with us on the journey. And now we're getting much more deep and harder to answer questions about vaccines and nature of the virus and variants. It's a phase that we would be dreaming of being in a year ago, like the idea of having a vaccine within a year. Those numbers were being tossed around, but it really felt like very, very optimistic. Um, So when the World Health Organization declares a pandemic that puts pressure on countries to respond in a certain way, do they ever declare a pandemic as being officially over? Very good question. I think it's a process, a pandemic being over. You know, in the case of influenza, they get vaccines on board. So in 2009, they got vaccines on board. Um, it started to transition back into seasonal influenza. And when COVID-19 will be over, will be beyond a pandemic, is when the majority of people around the world are immunized or a large percentage of people are immunized around the world. And it comes and goes in, in seasons rather than being so overwhelming. It just never goes away and you've got wave after wave after wave. Influenza does still come in waves, but there are waves dictated by seasons and and the peaks aren't as high. So it's a transition. And I don't think that COVID-19 will transition away from being a pandemic for another couple of years, simply because we're not well enough immunised. Well, let's talk about immunisations, because we heard uh, yesterday that Professor Brendan Murphy saying one of the biggest challenges with the locally produced AstraZeneca vaccines, the ones that are being being manufactured here in Melbourne, is just getting them into bottles. Yeah, so I'm not quite sure exactly what um, Brendan was talking about at that point in terms of whether it was a specific issue, but it is a big part of the process. So a really major part of the process is you've got these huge vats that are brewing up the vaccine. So they've genetically engineered the vaccine, they've got the virus attached to the genetic information, they've got to grow that up from a starter material, and then you've got to decant it and get it into bottles. And you've got to get it into bottles in the right dose because they're multi-dose vials. And you've got to have a supply of the vials made of the right glass, and it's got to be done in a sterile environment. And it, and it's uh, I understand it's not a fast process. It's not like filling milk bottles. I've heard some people, uh, I've seen some of our listeners saying things like, can't we just make more vaccine? Um, but really, the manufacturing process is really involved. The safety standards are so high. And the CSL labs are going to be making something like a million doses a week. You can't just make more because there are so many different um, checks and balances in that supply chain, including just supply of glass. Yeah, I think I think the mRNA vaccines are a bit easier to make than the viral vector vaccines. 
but you still got to have somewhere to make them. You've got to have somewhere to make them and it's, you've got to handle it very gently because the mRNA capsules or the, the packaging, if you like, of the mRNA is very delicate. So you've just got to be a bit more careful about that. So, it's, it's, so there, are, there are elements in each. There are bottlenecks and enough vials is one of the bottlenecks. So at the moment, at the risk of jinxing us, Australia is in a pretty good position in terms of um, very, very low levels of coronavirus locally but there have been there has been a signal in Adelaide wastewater over the past few days that are indicating that maybe there's some virus that could be circulating under the radar what do we know well all we know is by reports and that the uh, the authorities are there are saying that they think it's an accurate result of coronavirus in the Adelaide wastewater they don't think it's from the borders in other words they don't think it's from a return traveler or somebody who works in hotel quarantine Hard to know where it would come from if it wasn't that, because really the only source of virus in Australia is from overseas. So it has to have come from a returned traveller or somebody in, in who's working on the borders. Maybe it's come from another state, but it, it will have come from somebody from overseas. And we will, in our genomic records, have a sense of where the virus would have come from. If it, you know a Victorian traveller, a New South Wales traveller, Remember, genomics is hard to do sometimes on this because you're not getting the whole virus. You're just getting fragments of the virus. Some people excrete for a long time. And the question is whether or not you're seeing somebody who's just, or people who are long excretors. And some of the new variants do seem to excrete for a fair bit of time. So it's a mystery, but they think it's real. And some more feedback from our audience. Kylie has sent in saying, not a question, just a thank you. She's a healthcare worker and just moments ago received her first dose of the Pfizer vaccine. And she says, thank you for helping me be prepared and informed and so ready for this moment over the past 12 months. She said she had no qualms or hesitations as she walked into the room today. Here's to dose two. Yeah, here's to your dose two. Well done, Kylie. And Thorleen's asking a question about why, what if the vaccines don't work on the new variants? Are we facing another year or two of closed borders, caps on entry and hotel quarantine while we have another go at a vaccine rollout? Is this just a practice run? It's not a practice run. This turns COVID-19 into the common cold. So if it does, if the variants do get in, it's highly likely that even the new variants will, the vaccines will protect us against severe disease. They'll be strong enough to do that. But there may well be breakthrough. What it means is that quite soon we're going to have to have booster shots from vaccines that have been designed to oppose the new variants. And they're already being worked upon. We had John Skerritt from the TGA talking about that a couple of weeks ago on Coronacast, if you want to look back. And these will be called multi, almost certainly be called multivalent vaccines. You'll, you'll hear that word more and more. And a multivalent vaccine is like an, an influenza vaccine. So an influenza vaccine contains four versions of the influenza vaccine in one vaccine. And these are called multivalent, meaning several different forms of the same virus. And it's likely that you're going to have, we'll have cocktails of vaccines which contain various proteins, if you like, or genetic information that stimulates spikes of the variants. We're going to have to have those boosters and we may have to have boosters on boosters to, to, to do that. So I think that borders opening up are, is going to be a difficult issue although you probably could argue that people who've had the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines are safer than those who have the Astra ones to travel. But I think the boosters will come along. Now, the other strategy that they're talking about here, by the way, 
is mixing up the doses where you may be getting Astra for the first dose and Pfizer for the second dose. Britain's looking at that. It may well be that you get a stronger immune response if you do that by mixing the way you're stimulating the immune system. We'll just have to see as time goes on. But borders opening up is a fraught issue. Well, that's all we've got time for on Coronacast today. But of course, if you've got a question, send it in. We're a year in and we're not stopping yet. So that's abc.net.au slash coronacast and mention Coronacast so that we can find your question or comment. And we'll see you tomorrow. See you then.